Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In the seclusion of British Columbia, an inherited hotel conceals a hideous secret that may destroy those who now own it. Will the new owners survive their own petty jealousies or be consumed by Hotel Hell? Join us in this Call of Cthulhu miniseries with Becca playing Deborah, Monica playing Dan, Quinn playing Jared, Tillman playing Christy, and Chris as the keeper of the arcane lore. If you'd like to contact us or find links to our Discord and Patreon, you can find us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore PTM. We hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hotel Hell, which is going to be a Call of Cthulhu miniseries that we are going to be running. Today, I am joined by Tillman, Joaquin, Becca, and Monica. So uh, before we jump into this, a little background on what this story is going to be about. It's going to be about these players, these characters who are going, who have, in one form or another, inherited a hotel called the Seven Stars Hotel in British Columbia. And what they are doing for their own reasons are coming is coming to this hotel to renovate it and to get it up and going to believing that they can make it could be a good start restart to their life. They can make good money when it comes to tourists and pretty much just a good profitable thing that fell in their lap. So before we jump into this story, let's go ahead and have the players introduce their characters first. Joaquin, let's go ahead and tell us a little bit about your character, please. So my character is Jared Kelly, the man who officially inherited this hotel. He had been an artist, met his wife, Deborah Kelly, and then he'd been do- doing his things. And then one day he wakes up and finds that an uncle he never knew he had left him a hotel he didn't know he had. So now he basically packed everything up and went out there to see if he could do this. And what does Jared look like? Uh, he's... Definitely, he he's in he's in his thirties. You know, bit of a scruffy beard, kind of on the thin side. Not bad looking, I guess. Definitely got the uh, artiste look to him. Awesome. So next, we'll have Becca. Becca, tell us about your character. I'm playing Deborah Kelly, who is obviously married to Jared. When Jared inherited the hotel, he somehow convinced me to go ahead and drop what I was doing, which was being an assistant manager, kind of going on this track for leadership within a small clothing store. And dropping that, we went to the hotel and I'm not super excited about it, but you know, for Jared's sake, I'm willing to give it a try and see what we can make of this hotel. Deborah is kind of average in height. She has blonde hair, kind of down to her chin length, maybe a little bit longer. She's a uh, v- very, very nice to look at, but definitely, definitely a little skeptical on the hotel part. Awesome. So we have Jared and his skeptical wife. Next, let's have Monica. Monica, go ahead and introduce your character for us, please. I will be playing as Dan Hardy, who is in his mid-30s. Bald head, little wider built, long beard, kind of like a hobo, dark eyes, arms covered in tattoos up and down. Dan is kind of the guy that's never been able to stick to a job. You know, he just quits. He's not exactly very motivated when it comes to occupations. He's kind of your average party guy, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll kind of guy. And uh, unfortunately, that kind of lifestyle landed him in jail. He's out now. He's trying to get clean. It's a bit of a struggle. But his brother, Rob, is kind of making sure that he's walking the straight line. 
So it's due to his brother, Rob, that he comes to the Seven Stars Hotel. He basically got dragged to the middle of nowhere to help fix this hotel. And he sees it as a way to maybe make a quick buck and also as a thank you to his brother who's helping him stay sober. Awesome. So Rob got you this job with to come with Jared and his wife to help out. So next, let's go ahead and uh, oh, uh, introduce your character, Tillman. I'm playing Christy Johnson. She is a friend of Jared's and he called her up. Hey, I, I need help on this hotel. She needed a change in her life anyway. She's just gone through a breakup. So this sounded like the right thing to do. She's in her early 30s has darker skin, really strong black curls that she keeps in a ponytail at all times, wears minimal jewelry, like pearl earrings maybe. She's also into wearing like simple dresses, like workout dresses, uh, kind of a new fad maybe. Generally, she's very slim but athletic. She's got really strong shoulders and uh, biceps for well, such a small girl. Awesome. Let's go ahead and jump into it. So let me tell you a little bit about the area. Hotel Hell takes place in an extremely isolated and remote wilderness of the northwest corner of British Columbia, Canada. The hotel is situated on the Iskut River and falls under the shadow of the Hoodoo Mountain. It is approximately 620 miles from Vancouver and 389 miles from Prince George to the south. And 19 miles east, from its junction with the Stikine River. Telegraph Creek, over 100 miles to the north at the edge of the mountain Adiza Park, is the nearest town where supplies, fuel, and other essentials can be found. About 70 miles northeast of Telegraph Creek and over 1,000 miles from Vancouver is the tiny community of, community of Deese Lake and the nearest airport. No roads, no roads exist along the southern run of the Escort River. You all have arrived in British Columbia, having flown in to Deese Lake and then driven through the wilderness to the hotel. Assume that you all arrived about a day ago and have settled in at the camp at the hotel. You stayed outside the hotel in tents and you met with a foreman of the local natives in the city, or excuse me, local natives in the area. There's a tribe called the Tlingnet. I'm going to mispronounce that. Tlingit that stay in the area. They're a native tribe that uh, that is in the British Columbia area around Deese Lake. And what you all have set up, and you, uh, excuse me, what you have, Jared, have set up is basically you have these workers from the local tribe who are going to help out you for renovate this this hotel. You are uh, have met with the foreman already. You arrived the previous night. You set up your tents outside of it. You have an outhouse there that you put all your equipment in, that you have equipment in also that was dropped off by the foreman so you can start working on this. So it's going to kind of be more like these workers are going to be working on the hotel, but also you and these people who are with you can help out. Now, I don't know how happy they are going to be to help out, if Deborah's going to be, you know, exceptionally be happy about it, but that is a situation that you are in right now. The foreman, when he talked with you all, kind of gave you some information of what kind of needs to be done in the area. He spoke about that there is a huge leak that's in the basement and that there's a bunch of water down there that needs to be drained out, that there needs to be new power lines that need to be rolled out uh, to the hotel's interior. Uh, you have old furniture and junk that needs to be cleared out, fixing up dust sheets, uh, measuring windows to order replacement glass, stripping and replacing exterior and interior wooden walls, and cutting back the vegetation outside. Also, a uh, significant fact about the area is that there is no cell phone coverage 
So you guys have two satellite phones that you can use until internet has been ran into the hotel, which is planned once powers up and everything starts getting going, there's going to be satellite internet that's eventually set up, but you don't have it at the moment now. Now these satellite phones, you can occasionally get like internet connection on them, but it's real spotty. And sometimes when you try to make calls out that you, you are unable to, unless you go out open in the wilderness. Now this hotel, the hotel called the Seven Stars Hotel is this rickety old hotel that you guys stayed in front of on this night. You see that the front of it has like the, the where it used to be a manicured lawn and like this, the, the where you can imagine that people maybe played croquet back in the 20s. You see that the grass is dying though and is overtaken by weeds and vegetation that rides up along the front of the hotel. You see this big oak thick tree that is in the front of the hotel there. You guys actually set up your 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 little mini camp in front of that tree there. You had like a little uh, little campfire going on there. Down the you see that the hotel you can see that it's two floors from what you are able to tell from sitting outside in the front. You haven't braved looking in there yet cuz you kind of arrived by by your vehicle which was a a Range Rover that you guys rented out that you arrived there at in the evening so where it was t- starting to get dark. So you weren't able to quite go in and explore it yet. But you know that this morning when you're all waking up that you are going to meet the foreman and work will start getting done. So we're going to cut to the morning. The sun is starting to come out. Jared and Deborah, you are sharing a tent, I assume. Christy and Dan, you have your own tent. And you hear the birds start chirping outside, Jared, when your eyes slowly open and you can feel the sun coming through the plastic of your tent a little bit. You can feel that warmth. And you know that in about an hour, probably, as you look at your watch, you see it's about seven in the morning, that in an hour, the foreman with the workers are going to come to speak to you. What are you going to do at this moment? Scenes on you, I guess. All right. So when he wakes up, he's going to get dressed and just take like basically just walk around the uh, hotel for a bit, just looking at all this stuff, just to, like you know, because he had seen it the day before, and now now he's given like another once over before everything you know starts getting to work. And he's hopeful. He's basically he's looking at the thing and saying, "Okay, problems, yes, but we can we can make this work." You know, you, you get people driving through Canada, you know. Thousand miles, that's a long drive. Plenty of people are gonna want to stop at some point during the day and make it like a two day trip or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you're very optimistic. I mean, this is a good chance to start over. You got, I mean, there was a one point where where this area is slowly starting to become a tourist attraction, getting all these new wave, you know, people, health nuts, hiking nuts, these people from the big city who want to go and decompress, who will pay good money for people to come out here to, to do like tours. Matter of fact, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe Christy's like an aerobic instructor or something to that extent. Is she, isn't she or is she a dance instructor? What exactly is Christy's job, by the way? Remind me again. It just says fitness instructor, but fitness we can, inst- we can yeah. say general fitness. So she's probably done some aerobics, some yoga, some, yeah. you know, sports dancing like Zumba or whatever it's called. She's very self-care orientated. So you have Christy, who's your friend coming because you're going to really tap into this whole new wave, come and get away and expand. And when you sit up and you get out of the tent, you look and you see her wife is awake and she's just starting to like turn around and starting to get going. Go ahead. Scenes on you guys. So yes, it's not as bad as it could have been. I mean, it could have had a hole in the wall or something, right? I I, I guess... As the late drive, sleeping outside was not really what I anticipated. Do, do you know how long we're going to have to do that? I mean, at some point, we're going to move into the hotel, right? 
Right, of course, definitely, yes. It's okay. just not yet, because structural damage, make sure every room's clear. Yeah, so... I just hope we can get in before the snow falls. And at this point, like, Deborah will start to go make breakfast. But I imagine we don't have, like, a ton of cooking stuff, per se. Maybe we haven't gotten it all set up. So she's doing, like, the bare bones. Camping stuff with the, like, yeah. the propane. Yeah. When you, matter of fact, you both, Christy and Dan, start hearing noise. They hear, like, a little mumble of conversation. Because that awkward camping silence has kind of surrounded you all to where one person moves, you can kind of hear it. And it's this weird, like, realization that you're sharing, like, an area with, like, you know, kind of strangers in their weirdest moments. And so you hear this slight conversation and eventually you hear, like, you smell bacon. That that really crisp, delicious smell of bacon cooking as Deborah is starting breakfast. What are you doing, Christine, Dan? I'm thinking Christy is doing her morning workout routine, probably going for a run for, like, 20, 30 minutes, some stretching. So you all notice Christy like is getting out of her tent. Like Deborah, you're making breakfast and you see her little figure get out of the tent. She's wearing like shorts and like a tank top and tying her shoes. And you could tell she's about to go for a run. What are your feelings about Christy and the fact that she came here and is a friend of your husband's and like came with along for this trip and seems actually kind of excited about it more so than you? I don't know Christy super well. So I, I see her getting ready to go and, you know, maybe judging a little bit about how she's dressed. I'm like, mm, those shorts are just a little sh- too short in my opinion. But but not saying anything. It's just like that that quick zone in, see what she's wearing, and then just kind of go to what I'm doing, kind of grumbling under my breath. You I'm thinking uh, Christy's probably not up for a conversation. She maybe waves, but she's got earbuds in and is listening to uh, whatever. Taylor Swift. Easy running music. Yeah, you know, Taylor Swift. There you go, right? <laughs> All right, so... You have a chance when you run. You can run towards the, along the river. The Incret the Incret River is kind of going along uh, by this hotel. Or you can run through the forest. There's like a little running forest path that you can run around. Or you can, uh, you can like just kind of run down the road a little bit that you guys came from. It's your call. So you kind of have three choices along the river, kind of through the forest a little bit where there's this path and then, or along the road that you ran. It really depends on the weather and how wet the grass is beneath me. It's pretty nice. I mean, you got a little bit of dew on the grass, but the wet, I mean, it's beautiful. Like blue sky, sun's out, thick cloud, you know, thick white clouds, not storm clouds, you know, in the air. It's a beautiful place. I mean, this is, the, the air is fresh. You know, you like can look at the mountains, you see the Hodo Mountain like in the background and you can see like there's still to- snow on top of there too. Yeah, that's nice. I'm thinking along the river is probably best. That's like an open view, but it's not, you know, the pavement. Yeah, it's not the pavement, but it's nice. Yeah, it's nice, nice soft ground. That's not like, like, not that hard concrete that kind of beats up your shins when you run along it. So you're running along this beach and we'll cut back to you first. All right. So you take off for your run. Dan, you wake up, you smell the bacon. What are you doing at this moment? Dan's morning routine is just get up, wipe the crust from his eyes, do a little bit of stretching. He probably has um, like an MP3 player with him. He's kind of old school and he's listening to some 12 step stuff. He's waking up, he's saying his morning mantra, thanking his higher power. But the second he, you know, pops his head out of his tent, he smells that bacon. He turns that MP3 off and he's going to approach to see who's cooking. Go ahead. Scene's on you guys. Dan's going to walk up, see Deborah, 
notice that she doesn't look like she's in a particularly cheerful mood, he's going to kind of nod at her and say, morning, what's got you looking so sour? You must be a camping kind of person. And she's like flipping the bacon at the moment. Not particularly a camping kind of guy, just been in worse places. And I'm pretty thankful for a good day and an opportunity to get some work done. She's not super into conversation. She really just woke up maybe like 10, 10, 15 minutes ago, and she hasn't gotten her morning coffee. There's no food. She's already cranky because of the sleep, probably not sleeping well. Yeah, Deborah's just not used to this sort of environment. So she's trying to be optimistic, but it's like it's hard and it rubs her the wrong way to be that way at this moment. And at that moment, when you guys are like, you know, kind of have that little exchange, you see Jared come walking around. Jared, when you are you just doing like a general walk around of the building, like you have this big oak tree that you guys are by and then you're just kind of like walking around it. Is that what you're doing? Just kind of like, yeah, hey, this is what I got. Yeah. yeah. Nothing too hardcore. Just kind of like stretching out your legs and everything. You come around and you see these two having a conversation. We'll just say that Deborah like gives you guys, you know, is making eggs. And unfortunately, there's no coffee yet, Deborah. But you, you, you hope that maybe the workers might bring you some coffee as you're sitting there eating these eggs and these bake. Chrissy, let's cut to you. You're running along the riverbed and you see, you can hear, you know, your music kind of going through, uh, you know, your, your little earbuds that you have and you're getting a good pace. You feel this fresh air coming through. You can smell like the river. You can smell the forest by you. And as you're running along the riverbank, you see like you start seeing something over like the crest of the hill that you're kind of going up and it looks like a roof. And as you keep kind of like going up a little bit more and more, you see like uh, there's like three shacks that are kind of along the forest along there. They look old. They look like no one's like really living in them. They kind of look really aged. You know, the windows even kind of have that yellowed, like stained look, you know, from age and, and just like dirt and everything like that. Like they haven't been cleaned in such a long time. What are you doing at this moment? I think she's curious enough to take a look at like the shacks. So she stops her run for a little bit and just peeks inside and we sees whether there's a a door that isn't barred or whether they look uh, safe at all or about to collapse on her. Maybe they look somewhat safe. You know, like you look, they look stable. They look steady and stable. When you go up to you walk up to one and you actually see like there's three steps, wooden steps that go up to it. And you see like the, there's a door there that's open, but it's kind of like a little crack. Like it's been, you know, like it wasn't fully latched. And when you kind of slowly like push the door open, you can smell the dust and kind of like the dirt that's just the air hasn't really gone through this room in a long time. The windows haven't been open, but it's this weird like feeling of like discovering something. I don't know if ever out of character you ever found something old like that or, you know, or something to that extent. Like my uncle used to have this old barn, this old like horse breeding ranch. We'd always find these little old huts and barns when we go horse riding. You kind of feel like Indiana Jones for a little bit when you open it up. And like, so you, you push the door open, you see there's like this old bed frame that's on the left and there's a desk and a wood oven that's rusted, like a wood stove, you know, that was used to heat up the cabin, but there's really not, it's very sparse. And you see, there's also, like I said, a desk, and then there's just like trash littered throughout. There's not like a hoarder's thing like that, but you know, there's just things that came in there, or people may have like, you know, you see some empty beer bottles or some empty, you know, Coke cans or anything like that, that are old and rusted, like people may have gone and hung out in there. I'm going to have you give me a spot hidden roll, please, if you could. Right. I so don't make it. <laughs> oh, what did you get? A 98. Ooh, that's a critical. What is your skill below 50 or above 50 for spot hidden? It's 25. Okay. So that is, yeah, that is a critical fail. 
because it had if it's if it's so you're looking around and you're kind of just like oh this is really cool this is really cool and as you like are digging around trying to lifting up trash and everything like that you see that like you pull this like old blanket and you lift it up and you see like three rats just like scurry out and there's a moment oh you try to like move backwards and your feet trip up and you kind of like fall on your back and you kind of skin like the side of your knee on this like old wood you get some splinters in there and everything like that I'm going to have you take one damage if you could right now. But you kind of realize you feel your knee start like swelling up a little bit like you landed on it wrong. Now you're not, you know, you're not like crippled and you're not going to be like immobile, but you definitely took a little pain from that. And you kind of like feel that rawness and you feel the wood like embedded into your skin. You look down, you see like there's a little blood that's kind of like going on your knee right now. What are you doing? Imagine I'm, I'm swearing and yelling out. Awesome. So one, one thing I want to point out in the game, sorry, that there is a optional rule, which we are going to be using here where you know, well, it doesn't allow you with critical failures, but I mean, it won't really help out your, your situation right now, but I just want to say it just for, for, so everyone remembers. So there's a luck stat that you'll see on your character sheet there, right? Occasionally uh, luck can be asked to be rolled to help you with something, but there's an optional rule in Call of Cthulhu seventh edition where you can use luck points to spend to, to, to add to your points. So let's say your, your spot hidden was 25. And let's say if you rolled a 40 and you wanted to get below the 25, you could spend whatever the, the, the points or 16 points, you know, to get below the 25, but that would lower your luck score by 16. So if you ever had to roll luck for something, your, your difficulty will be lower like that. So just keep that in mind, especially that this is the one shot and everything like that. I meant to say that one, and you can't do it with critical failures. So, you know, like I can't, you know, you can't fight that. That's just how it happens, unfortunately. It's the botch. So one more time. And can you repeat that, Tillman? I apologize. One more time, uh, Christy. What what are you doing after you felt like that? Oh, she's just sitting there for a moment, like checking herself, yelling out in pain. And then she's going to make her way back to uh, like the way she came to the camp. Like She feels like she needs to do some first aid there, clean it up, tape it up, whatever. So when you three, Jared, Deborah, and Dan are eating this breakfast, and Deborah, you're starting to wake up a little bit, but you still don't have that caffeine, which is just really irking you. And once in a while, Jared, you kind of see her like out of the corner of her eyes, like glaring at you, and you kind of do the whole, I'm not noticing that, and just kind of like focusing on your breakfast or looking at the hotel. You see the figure of Christy come walking up. Now, Christy, you're feeling your muscles are kind of tightening because you didn't really stretch out, you know, as much as you should. Do you want to stretch out at all, or do you want to address the the your knee right now or yeah first address like the wound because she can't really do much when it's still like open and bleeding mm. so go ahead seems on you guys as you see her walking up oh wow what happened to you morning uh i tripped i stumbled upon like a nest of rats note to self get someone to take care of rats yeah there's like uh, a couple of huts just a little bit along the river i wanted to investigate what they look like from the inside and well I, I got startled a little do you have like first aid gear i mean i have a little bit myself but uh, yeah there's somewhere in one of the boxes i think uh, can you show me okay give me a minute Ooh. and he's gonna like you know, just dig through stuff what does that make you feel like deborah where she's kind of insistent like will you show me and like kind of wants him to go and help her out like that does that does that bring up any feelings in you Oh, so many feelings. She like, as soon as those words got uttered, like daggers are getting stared at, at both Christy and Jared. And 
Jared's just completely oblivious to it, at least in this moment. And, and she's also irritated that he's looking through stuff and doesn't know where things are. And she knows like it's he's going to like unpack everything before he finds the right item. Dan, but- go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Dan, go ahead and give me a psychology roll if you could, if you would, please, which means you have to roll 1d100 under your psychology score, please. Okay, Dan got a 44 and his psych, you're going to need to help me interpret this. I see psychology 50%, 25 over 10. So the, okay, that's a good question. So the, the first number, the high number is your score 50. So you did roll under that. The next number is your score. If I say I want you to roll a hard example, so the 50 is a normal difficulty, right? So that's what I asked of you. If I said roll a hard psychology, that is the next number, which is 25, which means you would have had to gotten under 25. And if I would have said extreme difficulty, that and that's that final number 10, that means you would have had to roll under 10. But since I just said roll psychology, you just have to roll under that first number, which was a 50. And you said you rolled a 40, 44. 44. So you did get it. Good job. So you're sitting there, Dan, and you just see like Jared walk off to help Christy and you look at Deborah, and you just see these like daggers just like staring at. She's just like mad dogging Christy as they walk off. And you, she looks pissed. Uh, go ahead. Scenes on you. You don't have to say anything, but scenes back on you guys as you see jared and christy walk off uh dan's gonna look at his empty plate look at deborah and he knows an angry woman when he sees it so he's gonna just nod at deborah say you know let me help you out with these dishes you know thank you so much for cooking you've done so much let me just take care of this for you we have a long day ahead of us you know want to show my appreciation for this so uh he's gonna grab her plate if she allows him to have it and he's going to scrape off the excess into the wilderness and try to wash off, I guess, in the river. And and Deborah just, it completely shocks her out of the staring at the two of them. And as soon as uh, Dan goes to take it, she she has that little bit of hesitancy, but then just lets, lets it go. And thank you. So Christy and Jared, you're walking over and you see uh, scenes on you guys. I'll let you guys play this out. All right, so there's the vacuum, there's the bed sheets. Dead. Okay, where the hell is it? It's supposed to be in here somewhere. It's just like digging through boxes and everything. Still not the organized type, right, Jared? Uh, no, but that's going to have to change if we're going to make this thing work for this hotel. All right, yes. Yeah, he, he eventually he finds, you know, the little thing. and just you know, it's like a Band-Aid and disinfected on. All right, so... As you're walking back, I'm going to have one final roll, Jared. Jared, I'm going to have you roll a psychology roll, please. Normal difficult. I got to build up on this drama. I love it. Six out of 30. Good job. So you are, you walk up and you see like this guy, Dan, and I'm not quite sure your opinion. Well, well, first, what's your opinion on Dan before what you witness right now? He just knows that he is Dan, but recommended to him by Dan's brother and said he would do good work. So... He just met the guy yesterday, so that's pretty much all his opinion of him. Well, right now, you see Deborah smiling at Dan, and you see Dan helping with stuff, but you're seeing her give Dan looks that you haven't gotten in Deborah in probably a week or two due to the stress of moving or stress of doing all this stuff. And just like, I don't know how your character reacts right now, but you notice that when, when you come walking up as you see her looking at Dan as he's like dumping out dishes at the tree line. Go ahead, scenes on you guys. So yeah, basically going through Jared's head is just, oh, okay, not best. But it's, you know, 
everyone's a bit tired and stuff. It'll, things will improve overall when we you know fix it up. As you're like, okay, I can deal with this. You see, you guys hear a pickup truck come rolling down the, the road and you see that it's this big F-350, which is a large Ford pickup truck extended bed. And you see that there's two figures that are in the front of it. You can't really make them quite out, but you see that there's figures that are sitting in the back. And you know that the foreman of this team or basically this, and I don't want to mess up the name of the people, the Tinkert people, the uh, the locals are, is, his name is Brian. Well, you see Brian pulls up in this truck and you see the workers start jumping out of the back and you actually see him get out of the front. He comes down the front. Uh, it has one of those like side steps. It's like a gray, like a uh, magnum colored truck, but it has one of those like side steps the trucks have. So you can step up and get in there. You see him get out and he has like blue jeans on a plaid shirt that's tucked in a flannel shirt. It's tucked in, but it's very like fits well to the body you see he has cowboy boots on he has like long hair but he has like this like a uh, uh, not a cowboy hat but you know the hats the hippies used to wear that were like leather and they had brim they kind of like hung a little bit he's wearing a hat like that and you see him get out of the truck and he's walking forward and he's looking around he's like so i need uh which one of you are jared and he like you see him point towards dan you, you're jared um no that will be me he raises his hand oh oh, oh hey and you see him like walk up and he like extends his hand out and you see uh he, you know shake your hand yeah, you know, shakes his hand. Hey, hey, how's it going? So, uh, yeah, we talked on the phone and everything here. So, I got my workers here. We're ready to go ahead and get started on this. So, uh, yeah, hey, what, what have you guys decided what you want to start on first, or like what what you kind of want to tackle, or what's the plan, or what you want my people to start tackling? Well, I know I definitely want. There's water in the basement, and okay. I don't know much about houses, but I know that having water in your basement for too long ain't good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We can go ahead and we can start addressing that. I'll, I'll get a couple of my folks doing that. If you guys want to start working on stuff, and if you ever need any, I've got my folks to just let me know. You know, we're going to start looking at the basement. I'll have them start doing other things. Uh, again, if, if you guys find something that you need help with to work on, just just holler at me. I'll, I'll probably be in the basement there kind of leading things, and uh, we'll get that squared away, okay? All right, thank you. All right, so I need everyone to give me a psychology role, please. I, I keep wanting to say human, but I think that's a Delta Green role, right? Human is Delta yep. Green? Yeah, yeah so... Oh, wow. 10 out of 30. Hey, you may not know how to pack shit, but you fucking know the shit. So I got 66 out of 50. All right, cool. Again, I, I, not that you have to use it now. I just want to remind you of the luck option. If you ever do decide to use that, you know, you're free to. You don't have to do it now, though. Like, this isn't super important role. So, Christy, what did you get? A 32 over 15. No, 32 or 15. I almost thought you said 50. I was like, oh, what no. about you, Dan? 25 over 50. All right, so Dan and Jared. Jared, after you see Brian turn around to go talk to his workers, you, both you and Dan, look at the workers and you see them looking at the tree that you guys are camped behind. And you can kind of tell that they don't want to get too close to it. Like even they like, when like when Brian is walking back, you just kind of see them like looking at the tree and looking at him and you hear him talk and then you see them nod and then they go towards like the truck. You see him getting equipment out of the truck and you see them start going through the front of the building. Go ahead, scenes on you guys. Oh, must be some kind of local tradition or something. I don't know. All right, so they're doing that. We can. So guys, we can go inside and start doing some stuff. Sure thing, boss man. What do you want me to do? Okay, so you can go in and uh, windows. Yes, that's it. Windows. You can start like doing. Seeing. We need to get new windows. So you just start measuring some stuff and. Uh, See what uh how big a glass we need. You got it. All right, so that's Dan, 
Christy, uh, check the furniture, furniture, that's it, furniture. Uh, like, like what exactly? Just take inventory or just... Yes, yes, sure, yeah, just look around the stuff, see if anything's, you know, still usable, if anything needs to just be tossed out, any more rats. I have my... Deborah, why don't you go with her? Maybe just, just in case. Can't hurt, makes it go faster. And I'll see if I can help with the basement. Sound good to everyone? Yeah, sure, babe. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> he's like, he's like, I'm gonna kill two birds with one stone. You're not gonna be alone with the big guy with the beard, and I'm not gonna be alone with Christy. So I'm good, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> killing two birds. <laughs> and uh, Dan, you got the windows. Jared, what are you doing, by the way? Uh, I think yeah, he said like he's going to uh, see what he can do with the basement. Maybe see like when once they drained it or whatever, he can see about helping out with the power lines and stuff. Okay, so let's go ahead and let me do a little description here. All four of you walk into the reception area. The hotel interior is uh, a two-story structure with the basement below, and the hotel's insides are in relatively good condition as opposed to its external features. The decor is old and fading, wallpaper is ripped, and lighting fixtures to hold candles are missing or broken. In places where boarding across windows is missing, the glass is long smashed, allowing the elements to take their toll in some of the rooms. Floorboards are, on the whole, sound. So let's go ahead and the ground floor. At the front is a reception lobby that opens into public areas of the hotel. So when you guys walk into the reception, you see this old reception desk. It, of course, does not look manned at the moment. It's, this, it's about waist high, about like middle of the chest high for someone, you know, preferably to stand behind it. You see like on the back is of this reception desk on the wall is like this old like painting of the mountains that you guys seen the Hadoo mountains that you've seen over and over again, you know, walking around or since you guys have gotten here, you see that there's a door on the left to that goes into an area and you see straight ahead that there is a door, which you all know is the office door that was served as the office to the right you see a door that leads to an area that on the map says is the dining room and you know that there's a little hallway on that side that will take you to the back area where your map that you have shows that there are some bedrooms and like a lounge you know to get to the basement that you have to go into the office there jared and go down the steps into the basement so first let's go with dan so dan you were going to measure windows. What room were you going to start measuring windows in? Let's see. I think he's going to keep himself around the lounge first because that's the first thing people see. So any windows in the lounge, he's going to start there. All right. So you make a left. You guys see Dan walk off and he makes a left. Dan, you start walking through what you know used to be like a trading post where there used to be things that uh, they would sell to prospectors who in the area, you know, because this originally this hotel was was opened up for prospectors in the 20s. So you see that there's different things that look like that used to, you know, you could tell it used to be a trading post. You see that there are basically like empty buckets, an old service counter. You see that there's a coil of rope there. Uh, you see some discarded and broken brooms, the head of a shovel, things that look like they can be used for uh, like hooks to be used that are set into the to the wall that used to be used to hang stuff that people would buy. You also smell this really like rank fucking smell. And you see that it basically 
smells like uh, uh like something died in here like something's just gross and as you're walking by you see this dead raccoon like on its back and you see like maggots are like kind of cr- crawling out of its like throat and its mouth and you see like it looks like it's kind of sunken in you see its fur still there but it looks really stiff and it's just like smells rancid right now and you see also there's a picture that's pinned to the wall and you see that it's like a picture of someone it looks like it was taken in the 60s or whatever but it was like standing in front of the hotel and it looks like, you know, to be like, uh, you're not quite sure who it is, but someone who's wearing like uh, like a polyester pants and like a white button up shirt tucked in. You see he's smiling and he's like holding some keys. Do you, do you choose to do anything in this uh, trading post room before you carry on? Well, I think the first order of business is going to be to get that nasty raccoon into the nearest trash can and throw that trash out because I don't <laughs> think I can work with the smell of decay all around me. Yeah, you can you can come and you can like take that out later if you wish to because you still haven't made it to the lounge yet. You're just kind of like walking in there and you're going through this trading post room or you can do it now and like go get a trash bag from outside and take it and just kind of throw it in the, this dumpster, temporary dumpster that was set up there, you know, for, for debris and everything when you guys renovate the hotel. It's your call. Yeah, I think he's gonna follow the scent to the raccoon, chuck it out. And once he knows it's out of the room, then he's going to kind of start looking around. Okay. So once you go ahead and do that, you don't find anything else of interest in the trading post room, but you make your way to, you make a right to go head towards the lounge. Okay. So you see, that's like a weird comp like, there's a study that's on the left, but then you see that the lounge is straight ahead and you walk into this lounge and you see that there's like a, a lot of old tables that have like sheets over them, like, like circular tables and chairs that have sheets over them. And you see that there's these big, windows that are in there and you look through the windows and you can see the river that is kind of going by and Cro- river that is going by slowly and as you're like take you take this tape measure off your belt and you start like you know taking tape uh, the measurements of the windows and you're like writing them down on this little like notepad that you have you look around and you see like there's a pile of books that are in this lounge and you kind of put two and two together and you're kind of like man maybe these are like books that were in the study at one time and that were used in here so you you, t- you see those books along there. What do you choose to do once you take these measurements? Well, Dan's kind of a lazy guy. So once his measurements are done, he's going to put his little notepad away, put the measuring tape back on his belt, and he's going to look for, you know, some way to kind of just piss off and waste a little bit of time before they put him to do more manual labor. So he's going to pick up the books and see what they're about. So when you, you get up to the books... You pull them and you realize that they're not quite books. As you get closer, you see that they're actually more landscape in length. They're not your normal like book shape. They're almost like look like you're like, huh, this is kind of weird. And you open them up and you see that they're drawings and painting. And when you're looking through them, you notice that they have like this weird, like somber vibe to them. They basically have like landscape of the mountains, especially or of the hotel. But it's like a lot of dark colors or like a lot of like maroons that just kind of make it sad and pathetic. But then you see that like there's one book that you get that basically has like these insane, that's all you can think of, insane drawings. You see one has like this flayed man who's like standing there with his arms laughing insanely. Like he looks like he's laughing. You see he has like his hands in the air and you see like there's these like four people who are like frozen that seem to be looking at him. You see the back of their heads, but you see like one has like a ponytail and you see like the other looks to be like a native person. And you see the other looks to be like clean cut, like kind of cop looking guy. And you see that 
there's another like Caucasian guy and you see like around, like in the background, you see these bodies that seem to be like hanging off of walls behind him as he's like laughing there. Or you see like another one where you see like this vortex and you, it almost like looks like this insane vortex. And you see that there's this silhouette of a lady that is behind there that that is solely black. And you see that there's like swarms of insects that seem to be like climbing out of this vortex. Or you see another one where you just see these like random images of just like disturbing like death and decay that are drawn. And it looked like they're drawn by a madman. And you see on one blank piece of paper as you are at the end of that book, it says, woe to him who ventures near. Woe to him who opens the gate as evil shall be unleashed upon the world. And you notice that on the sketch pad, it says J.S., on all these different sketch pads and it's dated 1925. And on that, and what, what, what does your character think when he's looking at all these drawings at the moment? Well, when he started with the landscapes, he was kind of bored. Once he gets to the more gruesome stuff, he's very interested in it. Being a guy who's had a bit of a traumatic life himself, he's naturally drawn a bit towards the macabre. So seeing all those bodies hanging, the the woman wailing, the people freaking out. He's kind of thinking like, hey, this is pretty hardcore. And he gets to the back, he reads the inscription out loud, and he kind of says it like in a, in a funny voice, like Count Dracula sort of voice. It's like, oh, well, beware all who enter. And he's just kind of laughing, you know, just making fun of it. But I think he's probably going to want to keep it because it looks pretty badass. And when you are sitting there laughing up to do the Dracula voice and you close the book, you just kind of like are cracking up, looking out. You hear, look, sounds like one of the workers might have turned on like a radio, AM, FM radio, like in the background, you know, and they, you see like you hear a song like coming to its end. And then you hear a news report and it's like, this is Fox News radio. And yeah, we crazy thing happened today. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe this happened. And yeah, Chuck, it's really insane what happened today. Like, yeah, the sinkhole literally has like happened in Commerce City, California. I was like, what What do you mean? Like, hey, let's cut to the footage here. And you say, oh my God, that's insane. And you're like, yeah, like all these cars just fell in this sinkhole. Literally, it's insane. It just happened in the middle of there. Look how huge that thing is. Yeah, let's cut to our helicopter report here. And you just kind of hear it muzzle off. Do you enjoy games of humanity fighting against the supernatural, literally? Then you'll definitely like our game Corruption. This Hunters Hunted 2 game is set in Washington, D.C. and follows an eclectic group of hunters who bond together through their brushes with the supernatural. 